0: Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Randy Bain. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org. Hey, we're in Chapter 4 of Jonah. Uh, uh, one to eleven, we are about, excited about uh, including. And next week, we are actually going to have testimonies uh, in conjunction with this. And where is God calling you? And and we're we're anticipating good uh, good uh, worship, great worship uh, next week. And we're going to read all eleven verses of Jonah 11, of four uh, one to eleven. Uh, follow along as we uh, hear of uh, for the aftermath of this preaching. Huh. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Wow. A, a lot of times after preaching, I, I might go home and feel like I just didn't do a good job, but uh, never go home feeling like this. No. Uh, he became angry. Then he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, it was, is this was this not what I said to you when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in anticipation of this, I fled to Tarshish since I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in mercy, and one who relents of disaster. So now Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. But the Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah left the city and sat down east of it, and there he made a shelter for himself and sat sat under it in the shade, until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God designated a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to relieve him in, of his discomfort. And Jonah was overjoyed by about, about the plant. But God designed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And when the sun came up, God designated a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head. that he became faint and he begged with all of his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to the point of death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not also have compassion on Nineveh, the great city, in which there is more than 120,000 people, who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left, as well as many animals? Thank you, Lord, for this, your holy word. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the messages that you have been teaching us, teaching me uh, through the book of Jonah. I pray, oh God, even today as we talk about your grace and your compassion, that your, your message would hit home, that our hearts would be fertile ground to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I've kind of taken a little bit of uh, verse 2, uh, uh, and just, it's amazing that the, this pouting drama, drama prince, I'll beat up on the ladies, uh, uh, is uh, can say something this good. But look, what if you take off the opening sentence? We uh, read that with me. The key verse: "You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in mercy, one who relents of disaster." Jonah 4:2 you know, some of you have seen the the movie the "Jesus Revolution," where talked about Chuck Smith and their, and the revival among the the hippies out, out west uh, and on on the west coast. Um, Chuck Smith was getting a lot of grief from his older members <coughs> that all these hippies were coming to worship, mm-hmm. and one of the compl- one among many one of the complaints was their dirty feet are soiling our carpet, mm-hmm. and so Chuck Smith. Uh, Besides, he would meet them all at the door and wash their feet as they entered. Uh, I'll give a short clip, a couple minute, minutes, minute and a half maybe, a clip of this. Just, if you haven't seen it, here's a clip. Kids will run away, it's most of them. They've got drug addictions, medical issues. They need our help. Yeah, but Chuck, <laughs> I mean, they need to go home. They're making our congregation uncomfortable. Maybe they should be uncomfortable. Maybe we all should. Maybe it's my job to make us uncomfortable. I haven't been doing it. Chuck, stop. This is enough. This is a house of worship. And yes, we expect a certain level of dignity here. These girls are wearing halter tops and half a morning wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet with their bare feet. <laughs> carpet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's be sure to save the carpet. You keep this up and you're going to drive away the only contributing members that we've got. You heard me now. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, young lady. How are you? Let's have another foot. Let's have that other foot. (laughs) Year, I had the privilege of visiting. Alright, New Networks, York. City. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I, out of the whole movie, that, that was one of the most moving parts for me. Uh, just uh, I guess do you see yourself in that? Well, I, I want to be the Chuck Smith in that group, but I'm not sure if I am. Maybe I'm the guy in the cantal- cantaloupe. I never heard of that called that. In the cantaloupe jacket, you know. But I didn't wear mine today. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out Jonah seems to be a book more about the sin of Israel and the sin of God's people than the heathen nation. I I mean, clearly Nineveh is a part of this, but it really seems to be a message of grace and conviction, I think, to Israel. They were supposed to be a people that would share the glories of God, and yet they became very ingrown, it's all for us, us against them. Uh, seems to be more critical of those who know God rather than those who don't. Uh, I, I see Jonah in that picture, do you? Yes. That little movie clip. Uh, God is gracious, is one of the messages. Mm-hmm. And in verse 2, you know, of course, I took off a little bit of the beginning of what he says, his complaint. Mm-hmm. But Jonah gives this glorious. Description of God, verse 2. You are a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in mercy, and one who relents of disaster. That's an exact depiction of who God reveals himself to be. In in Exodus chapter 33 and 34, we find this beautiful passage. And if you haven't read that, it's worth going back and reading. Where... uh, this is where Moses goes back up in the mountains, Mount Sinai, a second time to get the second set of ten commandments. Remember, he broke the first ones, and and he's there. While he's there, he's telling God, God, I, if you have, if I found pleasure in your sight, if you've accepted me, let me see your glory. Of course, God says, "We, well, no human can see my glory and live." He said, "That's not going to happen." He said, but tell you what, he said, there is a little cleft. That's where we get that song, Cleft in a Rock. There's a little indent in the rock there. He says, You hide yourself there, and I'll walk past and put my hand over you to cover you. And then when I get back past, I'll pull my hand away, and you can see the backside of my glory. Now, I, that kind of throws out all of your Sunday school notions of who God is. I mean, I, I don't How is that? I don't know. Somehow God has a front side, a back side of his glory. We can't, I mean, it's, it's awesome, right? But so he does that, and it says he reveals himself to him. Now, these are verses 5 through 7, Exodus 34 5 7. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called on the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness to th- for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing. So the big reveal. This is what Moses is waiting for. What does he get? The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth. Wow. Isn't that kind of what Jonah says in his pouting, angry state. He still knows who God is. God was gracious to Jonah, wasn't he? he? He rescued him from the sea. Even, even you know, in the in the sea, he, he you know, had this great fish to you know, gobble him up, and and I believe Jonah died. I mean, I, I mean, I just he brought Jonah out of the mouth, out of the out of death, raised him again, and he gave him a second chance at ministry. He didn't discount him. He didn't say you're, you know, you're no good anymore. You know, you've messed it up, but he gave him a second chance. And then he was gracious to Nineveh. I mean, Nineveh, he warned them. And that's good, right? He didn't just destroy them. He gave them the gift of repentance. You know, we really believe as Wesleyan uh, Methodists that, uh, that uh, we, we cannot do anything to save ourselves. We are utterly lost. It is the grace of God that gives us this first glimmer of the Gospel that even makes us turn to Him. And notice that repentance, it started among the people. I guess, I mean, last week as we were reviewing that and going over that in our home groups, I realized, oh, I thought it was the king that did it. <laughs> I mean, somehow in my head, I, I know I've read Jonah, I don't know, about hundreds of times, maybe. I always kind of thought it was the king decided we are going to have a fast. But it's the people. It started among the people. That's where revival starts. It doesn't start among the professors and pastors and leaders. It starts among the people. They hear the word of God, they are convicted. They agree with God. The so people of Nineveh agreed with God that they were wicked. And they repented. And then the king heard about it, and then he repented and declared declared fast. Second Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the day of the Lord... Uh, that one day with the Lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some people count slackness, but the Lord is patient, long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. that That's our God. He, he is gracious. He is loving. He is accepting. The Lord loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to let us there. Mm-hmm. We believe in sanctification, we believe in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, that He takes us where we are, and we, and we can be a bad mess, right? And sometimes we Christians struggle with new Christians in their bad you know? He is compassionate, He is gracious, that, that's the message of the Book of Jonah, that God accepts those that turn to Him, no matter where they are or what they've done. Second, message here is that humans are sinful, we are rebellious and we are judgmental. And notice verse one says, it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. What was he displeased about? The Ninevites repented that <laughs> God didn't wipe them out. He was mad about that. He was angry. Both the Ninevites and Jonah are sinners. Yeah, wow. Jew and Gentile needs the God's grace. Yes that's right? True. That's true. I mean, both sinners, both. Jew and Gentile, no, Jonah and Nineveh fall short of the glory of God. That's the message of the book of Romans. Romans 1, especially 1-6, through 6, but the whole book is about how we are all in need of the grace of God. We are all saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We ask as we get to Romans 3.23. We have all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jew and Gentile. The Jew who has the law has fallen short of the law. The Gentile who has seen who God is by nature, who has built within Him the nature of God. Has disobeyed, and God caused wrath to fall upon all who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I mean, that, we are all sinners. We all, you know, the, the, uh, like I said, this Jesus revolution, those, those hippies, I mean, they're drug addicts, they're sex fiends, they're, you know, it's the Woodstock culture. You know, anything goes. Whatever makes you feel good, do it. Desperately in need of forgiveness. Desperately in need of Jesus. But then, on the other hand, look at that Jesus revolution. The you know I should have worn. Now that I think about it, I should have worn. It. I do have. I call it a camel sports coat. Right. I mean, I have a cantaloupe colored jacket. I should have worn that today. Just to remind us, that's who we are. That's us in that movie. That's us. Hopefully, we don't act like that. Hope we don't act like Jonah, pouting when someone sits in your seat. The worst thing I've ever heard is is someone to sit in the seat behind them and then have a conversation with everyone around them. That that person's sitting in my seat, but it's okay. That's my seat. We've always had that seat, but they're you know it's a it's a really shut up and go to the other side of the church. <laughs> you know, do not. I'm sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. It just I was planning on saying about that. But do, you, know, you get what I'm yeah. talking about. I mean we should just have camel or cantaloupe colored jackets in the back if that's who you want to be. Wow. Put them on when you come in. We ought to be accepting. Yes. You know, we ought to be just as God is accepting. Notice that he says the Lord says, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Wow. He says to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? Jesus ate and hung out with sinners and the Pharisees were angry. The religious elite were angry. Nicodemus, the priests, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they all missed it. Even Nicodemus, when he comes to Jesus by night, what did Jesus say? You must be born again. And and he goes, what? How? And and Jesus says to him, verse 9, he says, and Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus said, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. My friends, if you have known Jesus, you know Jesus, you ought to have, the longer we love Jesus, the longer we have walked with him, we ought to have the biggest heart for the lost. Amen. Our heart ought to get bigger and bigger for those who don't know Jesus. Yeah. That ought to be us. The parables describe it. Remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard? It talks about the 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 farmer went out in the morning and, got, and hired people and said, I'll pay you a day's wage. And then he went out at 10 o'clock and went out at noon, went out at three o'clock. Finally, the last hour of the day, he went out and hired people. And when it come time to pay, he started at the last and paid them a full day's wage. They worked an hour. And then when he got to the people that worked all day, they're like getting, oh boy, we're really going to get, it. they got a day's wage. And they got angry. Yeah. It says in Matthew 20, uh, uh, let's see, I'll read, I'll read a couple verses. But, but they were complaining and he answered and said to them, Friend, i knew you no know wrong. Do you not, did I not agree to pay you for a, a denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I want to give the last person the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I want to do with my own? He said, or is your eye envious, the New King James says, evil, because I am generous. So the last should be first and the first last. The original word there for evil or envious is, is, is the, the word paneros, uh, and it literally means evil, bad, wicked. They were angry. They were angry because these people that came in the end got as much as the, the ones that worked all day. And then, and then the older, the, the lost parables. Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, and lost, come on, lost son, the prodigal son, right? And the prodigal son goes off and lives sinful life, wastes all of his dad's inheritance, all the money, right? He definitely is a sinner in need of grace. But when he comes back, what happens? The father says he's come back to life. He's alive again. He throws a party, and what happens to the older son? Here's the Jonah. Here's the, here's the cantaloupe soup guy, right? It says he was a party. The older brother comes in from the field, says, "What's all the noise?" And his servant said, "Oh, it's on a party. Your brother's back." And it says uh, he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. Really, I see that whole episode with Jonah sitting out on the east side of the of the of the, of the city, watching, is God pleading with him? That whole parable of the of the plant and the wind and the heat and the worm—it's it, really meant to plead with him. Why wasn't Why wasn't Jonah down there discipling the Ninevites? Right? I mean, why wasn't he sharing the good news of who God is? instead of sitting on the edge of the city. Even the disciples get it wrong. Remember they had that us versus them mentality? It tells us in Luke 9 that he came, told Jesus, they said, hey, this one, we caught this guy casting out demons in your name, we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Right? It's like, it's us. And, and Jesus says, they're, against, they're not against us, they're for us, don't do that. And then another time when they were in Samaria and they were headed to the cross to Jerusalem and the Samaritans were upset this time, you know, because they were snubbing them to go to the Jews, to the Jewish. And what did James and John want to do? Let's call fire down from heaven and destroy them like Elijah would have done. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we should do. You know, this isn't in all of our newer translations, but the, old, the older uh, translations had verse 56. Jesus said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. Mm. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Amen. Wow. Even the disciples didn't get it. So Nineveh was definitely a, s- a sinful. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, for its wickedness, their wickedness has come up before me. And the people agreed with that. They knew they were wicked. They knew they weren't living the way they should. And they repented. Jonah the prophet who knew God is also a sinner. Needed an attitude adjustment. Needed a second chance didn't he? Needed a third chance. I was reading, a, I didn't have my phone with me. My Oswald Chambers reading this morning in the, in the uh, wisdom of Os, Oswald. They have the reading, scripture and then the reading and then it skips down after the Bible uh, reading chart is uh, a little wisdom clip. And this morning it said, it isn't just what you do, it's the attitude with which you do it. Does God just want us to begrudgingly serve him or does he want us to serve him with a contrite, soft heart, a gentle spirit? Jonah definitely didn't have that. So so let me ask you, who do you relate more with? Mm. (laughs) Right. Who do you relate more with? Are you Jonah or are you the Ninevite? Now, there are people here this morning that probably know they're not walking where they ought to be. They probably would relate more with the Ninevites. It's like, yeah, there's some repentant I need to do. But then on the other hand, there's some people here that are probably uh, connect a little bit more to Jonah or feel a little self-righteous, a little critical, a little judgmental. I guess I should have preached with a cantaloupe shirt and bare feet. I'm just i I still going to get that image out of my head. That's a a beautiful, beautiful illustration of Jonah. If you're here and you're walking in rebellion, you know you're not where you ought to be. I'm going to tell you, God loves you. He is gracious and compassionate. And if you're feeling convicted right now, that's a gift from God. He's reaching out to you. Giving you a second chance to start over. Third chance, fourth chance. And if you're here, maybe you're feeling a little self-righteous at times. Maybe a little critical of some people. Unwilling to really, I don't know, let them walk in their own walk with the Lord. Uh, God loves you too. Sometimes the the new Christians are the hardest. It's amazing because they they come to faith in Jesus and they clearly see what's right and wrong. And sometimes they'll tell you about it. Mm -hmm. And, And sometimes we need that but hopefully as we get older as a Christian we mature in Christ and we're not as judgmental or are we and finally I would want to say the grace God's grace intersects the human sin at the cross that's what it's all about his grace and our sin hits at the cross notice he says in verse 11 should I not have compassion on Nineveh the great city which has more than 120,000 people. I believe it's talking about people that are spiritually blind. could be talking about kids. I mean, it's kind of a hard to, t- to interpret that. But <clears throat> it says, Should I not have compassion? Should I not show pity? Should I not show love? Notice, Jonah said, I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in mercy, one who relents of disaster. That word, that phrase, I wish I, I wish I could speak Hebrew better. Gracious and compassionate. In, in the Hebrew, it, it's kind of like a little sing-song rhyming phrase. It's kanun and rachum. I mean, can you say, I can't say that fast. Why It's like Peter Piper? I just can't do it. But I can see a Hebrew just flowing that. You know, it, it's kanun and rachum. I mean, it, it just would have that little sing-songy, you know, that what we would say, that's who God is. He's gracious and compassionate. Second Corinthians 5.21, it says, he, it, he made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's what happened on the cross. God laid our sin on Jesus, that we might become the righteousness of God. What did Jesus say to those that were executing Him? Well, He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What did He say to the thief on the cross? Today you'll be with me in paradise. There's a, there's a song, Rich Mullins wrote a song, Our God is an Awesome God, back in the 80s, late 80s. And and I, I, ch- I was looking at it, because uh, I remember this one phrase that keeps sticking in my mind. And and looking it up, it seems like recently, we just sing the chorus, we never really sing the verses. They're a little, oh, what you call them? I, I call them youth groupish. <laughs> the verses are a little, you know, swaggy. I don't know, this is not what you would normally think for church people to sing but uh, talks about him rolling up his sleeves and not just putting on the writs. It's kind of like, really, that's a worship song. But, but this verse, this verse in that song says, uh, he spoke into darkness and created the light. Our God is an awesome God. Judgment and wrath he poured out on Sodom. Mercy and grace he gave us at the cross. Mercy and grace he gave us at the cross. That's where God's holiness and his justice meets human sin. Where mercy and grace is poured out on the cross. The crash, the destruction, the punishment of sin, God put on Jesus. And we get the forgiveness and the love of God in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you're on the blatant rebellious sinner or the stuffy judgmental Christian. It doesn't matter where you are, the grace of God is there for you. Mm-hmm. This morning we're going to receive Holy Communion. And the message is that God loves you. Sinner, you. God loves you. Yeah, if He is calling you this morning, you're feeling convicted, that is the gift of God. He's giving you a second, third, fourth chance. If you feel guilty, you're convicted, that is the gift of God. Turn your life to Jesus. As as we go through the communion service. Now, Jeremy's going to lead us in Holy Communion. You will confess your sin, and you will receive pardon, you will receive the love of God, and you will be prepared to receive communion. Child of God, if you've gotten it wrong, if you have been judgmental instead of witnessing, if you've been critical instead of gracious, God still loves you. Now, and He's not done working with you. He'll give you a second chance, a third chance. How many times I've have had, you know, we've had in, in home groups or in, in conversations, someone says, yeah, I should have done this for somebody, I should have witnessed, I should have said this, and I didn't, you know, and I think I messed it up. Well, God will give you other opportunities. Uh, receive his forgiveness. Holy Communion is really about one more chance, a time to renew our faith. Who is worthy? None of you are worthy. No one's worthy, we're not worthy, but Jesus has made us worthy. As I said, the communion service will lead us through repentance, acceptance of God's love, and forgiveness. So participate it, mean it with all your heart and soul, and you will you are forgiven, you are loved, and you've given another fresh start. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.